Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church Podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor Podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. This morning, um, I actually want to share a really simple message with you. Uh, The truth is, is what I'm about to share, I I think most of us know, but I think sometimes we struggle to know. So uh, there is a huge difference, yeah? What we know in our head and what we actually live out our hearts. So uh, listen, if you're taking notes, I want to go ahead and let you know uh, that you should do that. Uh, But I'm going to give you a lot of verses that you can write down. There's no way you're going to be able to remember all these. So if you can, jot them down. And uh, once again, if you're taking notes, the title of today's message is simply God Is. Can somebody say God God Is? Amen. Let's pray one more time and we'll jump in. Jesus, I thank you for every person that's here. Lord, the reality is, is not a single one of us are sitting where we're sitting right now uh, by accident. God, we're here because you have something you want to say. We're here because you have something that you do that you want to do in us. So, Lord, we just choose to stir ourselves up. We choose to get ourselves hungry, to just pull up to your table. You said man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of your mouth. And so, Jesus, we're hungry to hear from you today. And we simply ask that you would speak loud and clear. Give us ears to hear today what your spirit is saying. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, this morning... Uh, well, as I was kind of in preparation for this morning, I kept thinking about how when I was a kid, uh, I had a tendency to sleepwalk. I don't know if you were one of those kids, but, but I did for whatever reason. I had a tendency to sleepwalk, and it's kind of funny when I think back to uh, those moments today. I, I mean, I can't tell you how many times uh, I remember sort of like waking up uh, because I would hear my mom talking to me, and not only would I hear my mom's voice talking to me, I would actually hear my voice talking to my mom as well, so I was not only sleep walking I was sleep talking and and uh, so it's kind of funny anyways when I would kind of wake up I would realize that I was no longer in my room but I was actually standing beside my parents bed and I was having a conversation with my mom and absolutely talking complete nonsense right and, and so listen it's kind of funny that like on those nights I don't know how once again but somehow I would climb out of my bed and I would and I would walk through that minefield uh, that was in my room called GI Joe's Legos and toy guns that were laying all over the floor and, and I would open the bedroom door and I would walk down the hall and I would walk through the living room uh, you know through the maze of furniture and I would slide through the kitchen and I would somehow dodge the kitchen table and I would walk down the other little hallway and I'd open up my parents door and I would start having a conversation completely not knowing what I was doing all while I was asleep right I know what you're thinking you're thinking man that dude's got skills that that was pretty impressive but but anyway so but somehow I would do that now now of course I don't I don't sleepwalk anymore thank God I'd still do talk in my sleep uh, my wife's got some stories she could tell you, but um, it's embarrassing, I know. But anyways, but, but what I do find myself doing today is this, is I find myself uh, kind of coming to my senses while I'm driving. Like, I don't know if you've ever been there, but I don't know how I do this or why I do this, but, but I somehow I start thinking about things and I get lost in my thoughts and I sort of space out. And, uh, and, and you know, when I kind of come to, I realize uh, that I've taken, since I can last remember, I've taken, I think, about seven turns and I stopped at about three red lights and I stopped at two stop signs and somehow I got here and I don't remember doing it, right? Like the last thing I remember is being there and now I'm here. Has anybody ever done anything like that? Yeah, so you notice all the bad drivers in the room. That's awesome, right? So... 
but it's like, man, we go on autopilot and, and just, I guess, muscle memory just takes over, whatever, right? So, so why am I telling you all that? Why am I talking about sleepwalking? Why am I talking about obviously being a really bad driver? But, but here's, here's why I'm saying that. In my opinion, there are a few times during uh, a year where God's people tend to go on autopilot and, and if you will, uh, start uh, you know, spiritually sleep, uh, sleepwalking through a season. And, and one of those times is definitely during the holiday season. Right, it's like from that first bite of that turkey leg, right on Thanksgiving, like all the way until New Year's Day, so many people kind of go into a spiritual coma and they just trying to check out, forgetting that God is, is still wanting to do something in them, that God is still wanting to do something through them, and God, that, and God is still wanting to do something around them, right? Now, now I recognize that the, really the reason this happens is because uh, of the busyness of the season. Like, I get that, right? Like, so many of us expect, uh, are expected to be in more places than normal, right? We got gifts to buy, gifts to wrap, meals to plan, meals to cook, meals to eat, right? Traveling to do, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. In short, what happens is, is over the next month, right, like, like our schedule gets blown up, right? Our normal schedule. And all I'm saying is this, in the midst of everything that will take place over the next month, uh, man, just please, 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 whatever you do, uh, don't put God on the back burner because he's not putting you on the back burner. Amen? And, and so listen, once again, he's still moving. He still desires to be engaged in your life and in your family's life in a real way. Uh, so let's stay focused and let's stay locked in. Amen? All right. So, so for that reason that we're talking about, uh, for the next few minutes, I want to remind each one of us of three really simple yet powerful truths from God's Word uh, that I believe that can keep us from sliding into this uh, spiritual autopilot, if you will, during the holiday season. But before I get to those three things, I, I need to lay uh, a foundation for you. In other words, I want to start at one point and I want to bring you to today. But I think for us to understand the three points, we need a really good biblical foundation. Once again, I know you know this, but let's, sometimes we need to hear it again. Yeah? All right. So let's do this. Once again, for foundation's sake, if you and I could somehow hit the rewind button from today and we could go back thousands of years into the Old Testament, uh, we would find that God's people lived in what's commonly uh, referred to and commonly known as a visitation culture. They lived in a visitation culture. And that simply means this, that throughout the Old Testament, again and again, we see men and women uh, basically having these incredible visitations or these incredible encounters with God, right? Uh, a few examples of that would be that I'm sure all of us know would be when Jacob wrestled with the angel of the Lord or when Gideon uh, talked to the angel of the Lord in the wine press or when Joshua fell at the feet of the commander of the Lord's army, right? Like So all three of those in theological terms, all three of those visitation, all three of those encounters are what is known as a theophany. In other words, it means that God appeared in those moments, right? Now, so in addition to that, or on top of that, uh, we also have an encounters where basically God would come upon people with the Holy Spirit, and, and He would uh, basically give them a special grace or special anointing that would empower them to accomplish some specific task. But once that specific task was completed, uh, that grace and that anointing would lift off of them as fast as it came. Now, a few examples of the anointing that we're talking about would be like uh, when Jephthah was, was basically at war and basically God came upon him and, and God used him to deliver the Israelites out of the hands of the Ammonites. Uh, another one would be when, when the anointing came upon Samson and he literally grabbed a lion and ripped it apart with his bare hands. 
That's impressive, right? Or say when Saul began to, Spirit of God came on him and he began to prophesy. Or when the anointing came upon David and he was marked for what he's called to do. Or we could even say in a real general term that everybody gets, uh, basically every prophet that we read from Isaiah to Malachi, all of those guys had an anointing that came upon them for a moment. They began to prophesy God's heart and then it would lift. If you're with me, say, oh yeah. All right, so here's the simple point I'm trying to make is that even though those visitations and those times of anointing, I think we can all agree on this, that they were absolutely incredible, like we got to understand that they were still limited. Like I say that with all respect, but they were limited because they were only meant to be uh, something that was temporary or short-lived because once again, they lived in a visitation culture. Now, even though they lived in that, that culture or that type of encounters with God, there came a time where actually this hope began to rise in their heart. And where this hope came from was this, is with, when those prophets that we just mentioned, when they began to prophesy, they began to uh, prophesy about a coming Messiah. And as God's people would hear about this coming Messiah, this anointed king that would come, this seed would land in their heart and it began to grow and they began to anticipate or hope for the day that, once again, that this prophet would come and he would rescue them. Now, one of those uh, one of those better known prophecies that most of us in the room can quote is actually found in Isaiah chapter seven. It simply says this: It says, "Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign." It says, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Somebody say Emmanuel. Emmanuel. The name Emmanuel means, as once again, as most of us know, it means God is with us amen now so watch this so so this this prophecy was given the seed was planted and and then news began to spread hey this messiah is going to come he's going to be born here here's what's going to look like here's what's going to happen i think there's around 300 prophecies surrounding the messiah so that's pretty crazy right and so literally they this hope was beginning to grow and they waited year after year after decade, after decade, after generation, after generation, until finally 700 years after Isaiah uttered that first prophecy we just read, basically their hope finally came to pass. We find that in Matthew chapter 1, it says this, says this is how Jesus the Messiah or the anointed one was born. It says his mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. It says, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it says, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. Sounds good. This is, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now watch this next verse. It says, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. What prophet is it talking about? It's Isaiah. And then it says this in verse 23, look, the virgin will conceive a child. It says, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Man, can you imagine the, the feelings they must have had at that moment that this long-awaited prophecy finally came to pass, that God would no longer, uh, you know, what it appeared like in the Old Testament, be here one day and gone the next. Rather, uh, he was now basically, uh, he was now clothing himself in human flesh. And as John chapter 1 says in verse 14, basically that he came into the very world he created and he dwelt or made his home among us. Or as it says right there in the Message Bible, where it says that the Word became flesh and blood 
blood and moved into the neighborhood. Man, sounds like we're going to have a black party and eat some barbecue. Welcome to the Message Bible. I think the Message Bible actually talks about barbecue at one place. I wouldn't say it's inspired. Anyways, here we go. So, but here's the point that I want to see is that basically that God's people could now see, hear, touch, and fellowship with the very one who in times past only stood temporarily in front of their fathers of the faith. Like, can you imagine that, right? Like, how incredible of a privilege it must have been to be able to sit and listen to Jesus, God in the flesh, teach. Right, to watch him perform miracle after miracle, to watch him care for people, watch how he treated people, to see that tenderness, the gentleness, the kindness of God, the love of God flowing through him, right? Can you imagine what it must have been like to sit there and laugh with him, to eat with him, and so on, right? To actually have him physically in your midst. Like, wow, right? Listen, as, as amazing as this was, I think we know biblically that this too was only meant to be temporary as well. See, that's why I believe that the Weymouth New Testament uh, translates John 1.14 in this way. Last time we'll read it. John 1.14 says, And the Word came in the flesh and lived for a time in our midst. Somebody say a time. A time. A time in our midst. Now listen, we know Jesus didn't do that to tease people. We know that Jesus came with a greater purpose and a greater cause at hand. And so what might have seemed temporary to some of those people who lived during that time, the reality is, is that Jesus' Jesus' time on this earth had internal implications attached to it that couldn't be accomplished if he had remained in the flesh. Right? So we know that's true because, once again, we've read the story. We know that 33 and a half years after he was born, another shift occurred, right? That here's Jesus, the perfect Son of God, right? He took our place on the cross. He paid the price for our sins, Right, he was buried. Three days later, he rose in victory. Like, and shortly after that, what happened? Fifty, he he went to heaven. He ascended back into heaven. Now, can you imagine how they must have felt? We've been longing for this Messiah for all of our lives. He's here. We're enjoying it, and now he's gone. Like the disappointment. In fact, you can really read it. That's why the disciples said, "Man, we're going back fishing." Like, man, forget this. I'm going to go fish again, right? And so I think this, like at first glance, it really looks like that basically they were going to have to revert back to the old ways. Uh, But we know that God never moves his people one step forward so he can move them two steps back. Like we know that, right? And so listen, because of that reason, before Jesus died, he made three key promises. And I believe he made these promises to keep us moving forward. Because sometimes we need, we need hope and we need a reason to keep moving forward. Can I get an amen on that one? Amen. So here's the three promises that he made. They all come out of John 14. A lot of what I'm talking about today comes out of John 14. If you want to go read it later in context. But here's the three promises. The first one was this. He said, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. That's heaven. Thank God for heaven, right? The second promise, he said, I'll come again and I'll get you. He's talking about the rapture, right? He's talking about the rapture. And then there was a third promise that speaks directly to what we're talking about today. He said this, third one, he said, I will not leave you as orphans. In other words, I I know it's like for come and go, come and come and come and go in the past. Now I'm here. I'm not going to leave you with second best now. Right? I'm not going to leave you helpless. I'm not going to leave you alone. Now, now, how did God the Father decide to fulfill that third promise? Look at verse 16 and 17 out of John 14. 
Jesus said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper or he will give you another comforter. If I can pause there for a moment, that word another is a powerful word. It actually means this in the Greek language. It means that the Father will give you one who is like me, but is not me. In other words, he's going to have the same character and the same nature I have. So if you want to know basically what God's like, here we go. It's it's all in Jesus, right? And so what it also means in that word another, it actually means that he will do in my absence what I would do if I were still physically present with you. So if you're in a situation and you're like, man, how does God want to move in this? Well, what would Jesus do if he was standing in the room? That's what God wants to do. Amen? So, so listen, now uh, basically let's look at why the Father decided to make this change. It says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you, not for 33 and a half years, but forever. Forever. Okay, then he goes on to tell us more about this helper. He said this, that he is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him nor know him. But you know him because he abides or he dwells with you. Somebody say with you. And it says, and will be in you. Can you say in you? In. Yeah, with you and in you. Listen, if I could put this portion of scripture into different words, Jesus is saying that this helper He's going to come and he's going to Emmanuel. He's going to be God with us forever. Once again, not Old Testament moment, 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 right? There, not there, right? No, no, and not just, okay, he's going to be here, uh, you know, basically in the body of Jesus where it's like, okay, he can, he can talk to one person or a group of people at one time, but he can only be in one location at one time. In other words, he's saying this, that, that Jesus is saying, look, when I, as long as I'm here with you, it's limited in what can happen. Y'all get that? Like he can only be at one person's house at one time, right? But he's saying this. In other words, that's limited. But guess what? There's a helper. There's a comforter. There's an advocate. There's the spirit of truth that's coming, and he has no limits, right? In fact, he will go with you everywhere you go because he is not only with you, but guess what? He is actually in you. Good news. That's why Jesus said a few verses prior to this that it is actually to our advantage that he goes away. It's to our advantage. I, you know, for years I thought, man, I, I wish I could have been one of the 12 disciples, that preferably one of the 11, not the 12th one. But anyways, <laughs> that, that, that if I could have been one of them to hang with Jesus, right? Like, how incredible would that be? But Jesus actually says that you and I are at a greater advantage than those, than those 11 guys who walk with him until the end. Are you all alive today? Yes. Listen, I think it's the fact that this, that this helper, guess what, that this helper that came, he actually brought the revelation and the reality of God being with us to a whole other level. whole other level, right? So, obviously, who is this helper, guys? It's the Holy Spirit, right? So, I want to drive something home here, okay? But because of this single promise that we just read in John 14, that I will not leave you as orphans, I will not leave you helpless, I will not leave you alone, that promise was actually fulfilled 50 days later on the day of Pentecost when, when the Holy Spirit fell, right? Acts chapter 2, right? And, and so listen, from that day on, the, the culture of visitation ceased, it stopped. And you and I now have the privilege to live in a habitation culture. Right? In other words, we no longer have to hope. We no longer have to wait. We no longer have to, oh, I hope he comes by the nails like, like all the saints of old. No, 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 no. We don't have to wonder if he's going to show up because he's already here. 
Like the Bible says in Acts 2 that, that he fell. He came, right? It doesn't ever say he went back up. Right? So like there's that old song that, that we used to sing in one of the church we were in years ago. It, it said, uh, send it on down, send it on down. Lord, let the Holy Ghost come on down. First of all, he's not a it. Let's get scriptural, okay? But, but, but the fact, why are, we, why are we singing, send the Holy Spirit down? He came down 2,000 years ago. Like, we got to grab a hold of that. Amen? Amen. All right. So, so what does this mean for you and I? This may sound a little strange, but I think it, it, it gives you and I the privilege of living with this conscious awareness that God is always with us. Right, And that not only is he with us, but he wants to be actively involved and actively engaged in every single part, every single detail of our lives for one reason, one reason only. It's because he loves us. Like good news, right? So, so listen, call me crazy, but I think the knowledge of that should not only make it impossible to sleepwalk through life, but it should also make it impossible for us not to look for God's intentional purpose in every situation we live in. Like God's always moving. There's always a God reason. There's always a thread of something that Jesus is doing. We just need to open our eyes and open our hearts. Amen? Amen. Come on, is there anybody other than me in here glad we live in a habitation culture? Amen. Yeah, amen. All right, so what I want to do is, with that foundation laid, I want to give you three truths that are connected to that. Now, I've already kind of mentioned two of them, but we're going to dig a little deeper. Once again, I, I, I will go ahead and throw it out and tell all you guys. I'm saying this because I'm not trying to insult anybody's intelligence in the room. Okay, you've heard all three of these things. But once again, the goal is not for us to hear it. The goal is for us to live out of it. Okay, and so I just want to remind you of some things that I think hopefully will help you. I felt like I was supposed to preach this, and, uh, and yeah, so anytime you, he says, you do, and there's a reason to connect it. Amen? Amen? All right, so when we live in a habitation culture, we become constantly aware of taking notes. Number one, God is always with us. Somebody say, always with us. Listen, to this point, listen to what Peter said in Acts chapter 2. He actually said this during his sermon on the day of Pentecost. He said this. He said, King David said this about God. He said, I see that the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad. I love that. No, God is with me. No wonder my heart is glad. And my tongue shouts his praises. My body rests in hope. Whew. Right? You have shown me the way of life, and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. What a powerful, powerful scripture. So in that, Peter was actually quoting the words of King David from Psalm 16.8. Now, here's what's so interesting. If you and I rewind all the way back to Psalm 16.8, and we begin to look at the original language, we find out that King David, who we know is a type of a new covenant, modern-day Christian, we actually discover that when he wrote, I see that the Lord is always with me, that actually means in the original language that David made the conscious decision that he made, the conscious decision to see God standing right next to him wherever he went. That guy lived in a visitation culture, but yet he chose to see that God was right next to him. Right? That he literally chose to view God as being physically, consistently present with him at all times in every situation. I wish more of us would live like that. Amen? 
Listen, in my opinion, it was out of that revelation that God was right beside him. He could actually write what he wrote in Psalm 139. Y'all listen to this and hear it again for the first time with that color lens on, please. It says, Oh Lord, you've examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You're right there. You know my thoughts even when I'm far off. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. And you know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. Jesus, help us. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. Yes, Lord. Listen, guys, David had an incredible revelation, once again, of what it meant for God to always be with us. And he had this vision of what it meant for God to be fully present, fully active in a person's life. In fact, I believe that's why he also wrote uh, what is known as the, the most quoted chapter in the entire Bible, Psalms 23. Most of us know it, a little portion of it. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are, why? With me. David understood it. Right? He understood that God was consistently present. So listen, I think when you and I begin to unpack this whole thought about what it means to have God being with us, there's a few things, there's a lot of things, but I'm going to give you three things, kind of sub-points here that I think go along with that that are important for you and I to remember. And the first one is this, is that no matter what we face in this life, you and I can be confident that we're never alone. That we're never alone. Listen, how many of you guys know that life has its fair share of ups and downs and highs and lows? Come on, right? Listen, we, there's not a person in this room that hasn't enjoyed victories and also endured defeats, right? There's not a person in this room that hasn't had, you know, moments of great joy, but also suffered through times of great loss. Like every person in this room have had those moments. And the reason is because we live in a fallen world, and because we live in a fallen world, life can be super unpredictable, and it can even be tragic. Let me even maybe say it this way. How many of you guys know life doesn't always turn out the way we want? Yeah, okay? Listen, but I think you and I can find peace in knowing that the same God who told you and I to rejoice with those who rejoice and to mourn with those who mourn, like we can find peace in knowing that that's the God that's standing beside us. And what's he doing? He is celebrating with us when we celebrate, and he mourns with us when we mourn. Do you understand that Jesus weeps when you weep? The Bible even says he catches every tear you cry. That's how close he is. Listen, so let me maybe say this. If by chance there's somebody in this room, you're like, man, I've been going through a difficult time. There's a single verse that I feel like I need to share with you today. Maybe you can jot it down. Maybe you can go pray through it later. Uh, But I just want you at least to hear it and let God talk to you, okay? If you're going through a difficult time. It says this in Isaiah 43. It says, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. In other words, there's a place of security in Him. Okay? When, when, When your world seems to be shaken... And all hell is breaking loose. There's a place of security in him. Okay? Then he says, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you, for I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. If we can notice a single word in that, that, you know, three verses right there, and that's the word through through. 
through. We read earlier, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, meaning I'm not going to stay there, okay? That, that there's this understanding that, that it's this. It says you will go through deep waters. You will go through rivers of difficulties. And I think that's the good news today that if we cling to God, that's key. If we cling to God, we got a sure promise that we'll get through whatever we're going through, that that thing will not destroy us, that that thing will not define us, but there's a greater life on the other side of it of joy and peace and all that that he promises if we're willing to cling to him. Amen? All right, so another thing that I think you and I can be confident in here is this, is that whatever we need in this life, once again, we can be confident that we've been given access, that we have been given access. Like if I can remind you today that the Bible is really clear that when the Holy Spirit came, he brought all of heaven's resources with him. Y'all watch this. And, and the blood covenant that Jesus shed for us, right, that he made for us. It's that blood that's the key that unlocks the door that gives us access to all of those resources. See, that's why the Bible says in Romans 8, 32, I quote it all the time, for God did not spare his own son, but what? Freely, if God did not spare his own son, how much more would he also freely give us all things? All things, right? The Bible says this in Second Peter. It's another verse that speaks to this. It says, by his divine power, God has given us everything. Can somebody say everything? everything? Everything we need for living a godly life. So I just think this, man, that, that when we as God's people truly believe this, we truly believe it, like we can rest assured that as long as he is with us, we're never truly in lack. Y'all hear what I'm about to say? It's a balancing statement. We won't always have what we want, but we'll never be at lack. We'll have what we need if we'll follow Jesus. Amen? So with that thought in mind, I just want to ask everybody today, like, like what do you have need of? Like in this room, what do you have need of? Is it encouragement? Is it wisdom? Is it discernment? Is it joy? Is it peace? Is it mercy? Is it love? Is it a second chance? Like what is it that you need from him today? Now, if you can hear me say this, that whatever it is that you need, rest assured, it's, it can be found in Him. You just got to go to Him and quit running to everybody else and go to Him. Amen? You may not get it the first time you knock, but if you keep knocking, if you keep asking, if you keep seeking, you're going to receive it. Amen? All right, so listen, let's push into this a little bit more. Um, I think when we begin to recognize that God is with us, this also means this, that, that we can become constantly aware that we have access, right, to someone who is wiser, smarter, more discerning, and more capable than we are. Thank God for that, right? That so like any time that you and I feel like, man, that we're at a loss and we don't have what we need in this moment, whatever it is, guess what? There's somebody that's walking with us that has what we need. And all we have to do is humble ourselves and get out of our flesh and get out of our pride and get out of our arrogance and actually lean into him and say, uh, Jesus, I need some help. Right? Because my Bible says in the book of James that if we ask, he'll give it to us freely, liberally. Without repulsion, right? In other words, he's not going to hang it over your head. He'll freely give it to you. That's good news, yeah? Because listen, if you're anything like me, you find yourself in that spot more often than you like to admit. Jesus, I need you. And I'm here to tell you, man, 20 plus years walking with him, when I really lean in and go, Jesus, I need you, he speaks. 
Amen? He gives what I need. And so, listen, on that note, let me just say this, kind of free somebody up. I just think this, that we as believers should never have to struggle through life feeling frustrated and confused. If you live consistently frustrated and confused, it's because you're not leaning in. Okay? Now, it doesn't mean that you'll never find yourself in a place where you're frustrated and confused. Typically, that's a good indicator you need to lean in. And there's times where I think God will let us get frustrated and he'll let us get confused because he's inviting us into something deeper. Let me say something else, and I didn't say this last service. Uh, I think sometimes what happens is, is we get over here and, and we think that God has done it this way so often in our life that he's going to continue to do it this way in our life. And you got to understand that there's times God will begin to speak different. God will begin to move different. He'll begin to even feel different. He'll do things different just to get you uncomfortable so you'll press into him more. Amen? All right, the last thing I think we need to be confident when we understand that he's with us is this, is that wherever we go, once again, we can be confident that we don't have to be afraid and we don't have to live in fear. Listen, I think so many of God's people are riddled with fear. Yeah. I think we are, right? We're, we're riddled with fear of failure, right? Uh, some of us are afraid of success. <laughs> Blows my mind. Um, you, you know, listen, we're just afraid that if I step out, it's not going to go well. It's not going to do well. And so we just live safe. Come on, church. We, we live safe. We don't step out. We think God's saying, ah, no. No, no. It, it's, I like it right here. <laughs> this is safe, right? And, and I want you to know that if you're really going to follow Jesus, you're, you're going to spend a lot of time feeling unsafe. If you really, really, really want to follow Jesus, you're not going to live in a comfort zone for too long. Let, let, me, let me maybe even say this, help somebody out. If you're here, and I've said this before, but, but listen, if you're here and there's nothing in your life that, that, that causes you to be afraid and requires you to stretch your faith and to step out in faith, so you can move forward, you're probably not in the will of God. Yeah? Because listen, God is always calling us into things that cause us to depend on Him. And so if we're living our lives and we think, I got it, I got it, I got it, well, you're probably not walking with Him as close as you think you are. Hallelujah. Let me give you some verses here why we don't have to be afraid. Joshua 1.9, love this verse. This is my command. Somebody say, this is for me. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. It's God talking, right? Do not be afraid or discouraged. Why? For the Lord your God is with you. Watch this next word. Wherever you go. Isaiah 41, 9 and 10. I have prayed this verse hundreds of times. It says, I have called you back from the ends of the earth, saying, You are my servant, for I have chosen you. I have not thrown you away. There's another translation that says, I have chosen you and I have not rejected you. It says, Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my victorious, or as other translations say, with my righteous right hand. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. I got you. 
That's what he's saying, right? Now, now listen, I don't know about you, but those verses uh, just tell me again and again and again that no matter what I face, no matter what's in front of me, how ugly the circumstance may be, how daunting the circumstance may look, that whatever it is, as long as, please hear me, church, as long as I keep my heart pure, and as long as I walk in integrity, and as long as I walk in the character of Christ, then guess what? I got nothing to fear. Hear what I'm about to say. If my heart's not pure, if I'm not walking in integrity, if I'm lacking in character, there's probably great reasons to fear. But if I'm doing what the Word of God says, then I don't need to fear. It's in those moments, if I'm obeying, I can step out in faith and I can step out of confidence. Why? Because I know He's with me. But if I can say it another way, not as He's just with me, man, He's got my back. And if He's got my back, I'm all right. I'm okay, right? And it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what my family thinks. At the end of the day, did I obey? And if I obeyed, however it turns out, then I know it's good in Jesus. Amen? All right, the second truth I want to point out is this, is that when you and I live in a habitation culture, right, uh, we can become consciously aware that God is always for us. Somebody say, always for us. Come on, let's say it like we mean it. Always for us. There's so many Christians that I've met over the past 20 plus years that I would love to just grab and shake a little bit on this one. And the reason is, is because, is because they live their lives like God's always mad at them. Like if they, if they take the wrong step, then... Like people live like that and they live with fear and they live with performance and live with all, they, they just live in really unhealthy ways. It's legalism, it's religious, it's, it's just not good, right? And, and so, listen, because of that, I, I, I kind of want to impart a thought, man, like God's for you, like breathe, he's for you, right? Let me show you a verse here, Romans eight thirty one. If I scared you, I'm sorry. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, in the translation, I memorized this in. If God is for us, then who can be against us? Like, let's let those words, if God is for us, like, let that sink in. Peace in Jesus' name. Right? Listen, I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear those words, for us, but when I hear those words, I, I think about, yes, blessing, but also think about God's favor. And it's a reminder to me that if God be for me, that God has put his favor on me. He's put his favor on his people. Right? Like, that's good news, right? Like, once again, to, to Paul's point, if God's favor is on us, then does it really matter who doesn't favor us? Does it really matter who's against us? It doesn't really matter, right? So, so let's think about this for a second. Has anybody in this room, have you ever been, right? Have you ever been in a spot where uh, you felt like your back was up against the wall? Like, oh, right? Like, like the odds weren't leaning in your favor, that in the natural it shouldn't go your way, right? That, that you didn't have the ability, that you didn't have what you needed, uh, yet God came through. Has anybody ever been there? Man, I've been there so many times. Why? Because if you're going to step out in faith, you're going to live in those moments. My wife and I recently met a few people from Oregon. And um, 
And while we were there, they told us a story. They have a ministry out there, and, and I could go into details, but, but I'll, I'll save you time. But I'm talking about a moment where, where these guys felt like, okay, we need to buy this certain place for the ministry. And they were broke as a joke. They just lost their job, just sold their house, sold their, they got rid of everything to pay bills. They lost everything in a day, okay? And God says, go buy this place, and you're going to do a ministry out of this place. And they went and approached people and said, hey, we, we feel like we're supposed to buy this, but, but we don't have any money. That always uh, encourages the person selling. Um, <laughs> and so they said, okay, we'll make a deal with you. Basically, at this day, if you have X amount of dollars, basically, we'll go through this. I'm making this real short. And so they got to that day, they had that much. And they were like, okay, we don't have anything and when they went to basically go close the deal, they got a phone call from a person they did not know, said, hey, I was praying and Jesus spoke to me and told me to send you 100 blah, 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 I think it's $130,000 so you can do blah, 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 blah. Thank you, Lord. He's cool like that. But he's, he, let me tell you something. I, listen, we all know this. It's like, is he ever late? But he sure does miss a lot of opportunities to be early. <laughs> like, why did we have to get to that point? But man, that's the way he does it. And I think it's because it stretches us. Amen? Amen. So listen, I, I just think this, that when we're in those moments when our back's against the wall, we don't really know what we're going to do. And God comes through, and that could be a thousand different things. All that is is God reminding you, hey, I'm for you. That's it. I'm for you. Now, now listen, there's a verse that, that I pray often in my life. It's Psalms 5, verse 12. And it simply says this, and it speaks about favor. It says, for you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. Like, I'll take that, Lord. I'll take your blessing, right? For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor, you will surround him as with a shield. I love that last part. That I, that I pray, man, God, would you please surround me like a shield with your favor. Like, there's plenty of people that are against us that hate the gospel, that hate the church, that hate God. Would you give us favor? Amen? So, listen, a few other verses I believe remind us of how much God's for us. Like, remember these verses. The Bible says what? That God works all things out together for the good of those who love him. Why? Because he's for them. Right? The Bible says that no matter what we face, right, trials and tribulations, persecutions, that we're more than conquerors. Why? Because he's for us. Like the Bible says this, that in the middle of all that, then nothing will separate us from the love of God. Why? Because he's for us. Right? The Bible says this, that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. Like we need to hear that. He hasn't given a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. And so guess what? He's doing that because he's for us. Therefore, you and I don't need to fear the enemy. We don't need to fear other people. And we don't need to fear the future. Amen? So listen, we can keep going and going and going and going in verses, but, but there's one, there's one uh, I guess, spot that I really want to land in this that truthfully, if you haven't heard anything up to this point, I hope you hear this. Like, those are incredible verses, but there's one to me that shows how much God is for us more than any other verse. It says this in Romans chapter 8. It said, it is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen who is even at the right hand of God, watch this, who also makes intercession for us. The Bible actually says in Hebrews that he ever liveth to make intercession for us, to pray for us. And so, listen, if, you're ever, if you've ever been spot wondering, man, I wonder if anybody ever prays for me. Jesus is. He is. 
Right? Now, now watch this. It, in my mind, I, two, two thoughts. Could we ever ask for a better person praying for us? I mean, he's at the right hand of the Father. Hey, Dad, let's talk about this. Right? You know, Quentin, let's talk. Right? And then, then I, I just want to say this, man. Could there be any greater proof that he is for us other than him praying for us? To understand that when he goes to pray for us, that's God's way, Jesus' way of basically saying this. That yes, he's for us, but he believes in us, that he wants what's best for us, that he wants to see us succeed. And, and in short, what I'm trying to say, man, that's how he's showing his support. That's why he prays, because he's for us. Amen? Jesus, give us a revelation of that. Yeah. So even, even on top of this, watch this. Two things, two extra thoughts here. To understand that in this book, there's over, I don't know, it's like 3,000 promises that he's made for you and I. That he's declared over us. Like 3,000. That's a lot of good thoughts. A lot of good things. So, so all, every single one of those 3,000 promises is God's way of saying, I'm for you. To even understand that when, when Jesus died, right, and the Holy Spirit came, to understand that there's not a single part of his nature, God's nature, God's character, that he's withholding from you and me. It's because he's for us. Amen? Let me give you the last one and we'll get out of here. Number three, when we live in a habitation culture, basically we become consciously aware that God is in us. Somebody say, in us. Now, I recognize on surface level, this sounds a lot like the first one. And uh, let me maybe say this before I dive into this. I have potential to really confuse you here. So, so hold tight, hang with me, okay? So, so I, I think even though it sounds very similar to God being with us, God being in us, the reality is they're all together different. Here's why I say that. When Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would be with us, it literally meant that he would come alongside of us, right? He would come alongside of us. He's with us. He's beside us. But when he said that the Holy Spirit will be in you, that literally meant that he would come and live on the inside of you. In fact, the word in actually means in the interior of. That's why Jesus could say, out of your belly will flow living waters. How out of your belly will flow living waters? It's because he who is the living water lives inside of you. Right? So, so even on this note, once again, this is where I don't want to lose you. Jesus said this in John 14. He says, if anyone really loves me, he will keep my word, keep my teachings, and my Father will love him, and we... Somebody say we, and we will come to him and make our home or make our dwelling place with, the word with should be translated as in, in the original language, dwelling place in him. So I know it's kind of crazy, but in, in a succession of verses, Jesus literally told us that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are going to come live inside of us. The entire trinity, okay? Now, here's what blows my mind. The Bible says that the entire universe cannot contain him, yet he chooses to live inside of us. Like, if you can wrap your head around that, man, I'll give you $100 right now. Like, that's mind-blowing, okay? In fact, maybe that's why, and I'll just throw this verse out for free, Colossians 1.27, why Paul calls it a mystery. It says, God has chosen to make known to them the glorious riches of that mystery, he has made it known, the mystery known among the Gentiles. And here is what the mystery is. Christ is in you. Listen, I, I cannot explain. I cannot explain that. But I know what I've experienced. And I'll say this. How do I know Christ is in me? Because the moment that I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I felt a peace that I have never felt before that day. 
And the reason is, is because the Prince of Peace came to live inside of me. So everything that was opposite of peace uh, was evicted, and peace came. Right? On that day when I said, Jesus, my life is yours, I felt a love that I had never felt before. And the reason is because the God that is love came to dwell inside of me. I felt a peace. I felt love. I felt joy. I felt life. Like we can keep on going. The bottom line is, is everything changed. And the only thing I knew how to say was, man, I feel like a burden's been lifted. But the reason the burden's lifted is all the crap off the world was lifted and everything that was in Jesus came. Amen? Amen. So I, I just think this, that when we look and go, man, God's in us. Like to help somebody out, man, that that really uh, blows the notion and, and really all doubt that God is hard to find, that he's distant, that he's uncaring, that he's uninvolved, that we can't hear his voice, that we can't be aware of his presence, like all that goes out the water. Why? Because he's in us. And also reminds us that he's given us his mind to think his thoughts. He's given us ability to be his hands and feet. He's given us ability to be his mouthpiece, uh, basically the mouthpiece of heaven, to be a conduit of his power. I hope you hear me today, right? Like we have an opportunity that to understand that when he's in us, his divine nature came, and I can love people the way he loves, right? So let me give you, let me give you one extra thought, and we'll land the plane. Once again, when we, when we begin to talk about the difference between this visitation culture versus this habitation culture, like there's something that we, that we need to grab a hold of, and it's simply this, is that, that in that moment, guess what, when, when the Holy Spirit came, that God's anointing would no longer come upon us. Now, guess what, the anointing comes from within us. And so to understand that Jesus Christ, the anointed one, dwells within you. Why am I telling you that? Because every person in this room, if you've given your life to Jesus, the anointing is in you. The anointing that breaks yokes, the anointing that breaks chains, the anointing that changes atmospheres, the anointing that basically heals people, saves people, all of that, it's in you. It's in you. Now, you can live in a way that you go, okay, well, I'm, gonna, I'm not ever going to let any of that out. Or you can live connected with your heart open to God and your ears tuned in, and when Jesus says, do this, you go, ha, <laughs> and you let the anointing out, <laughs> right? You speak and you do what he wants you to do. In other words, if I can say it this way, when Jesus came, the kingdom of God came inside of you, and there's a, there's a way that kingdom operates and the way that kingdom functions that God's trying to get into this world, and he's trying to get it through you. I'd hate for somebody to believe what I'm saying. <laughs> Y'all do realize there's a kingdom of darkness, there's a kingdom of light, right? And, and there's no kingdom of gray. You're either in the kingdom of darkness or you're in the kingdom of light. And if you're in the kingdom of light, you're called to defeat the kingdom of darkness in Jesus' name. Right? And so there's things that he's wanting us to do in this region. Once again, there's a reason why we're here. Right? There's a reason this Bama boy moved up here. That Louisiana boy moved up here. That California boy moved up here. Colorado boy moved up here. There's a reason you Mainers are still here. You're like, man, I'm stuck. No, 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 no. Jesus wants you here. Why? Because he's got assignments for us to do. Amen? And it's once again to release the kingdom of heaven into this earth. But, but, he, but he can't do this if we don't walk in the revelation. Guess what? That he's with us, that he's for us, and he's in us. If we don't believe those things, we'll never step out. Amen? Hebrews eleven six 6 says this, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must first believe that he is. 
Like, have you ever, have you ever paused long enough and given thought to those 11 words? For he who comes to God must believe that he is. That he's what? Yes, that he exists. Yes, that he's loved. Yes, that he's holy. I've nipped on power. Like, we can go on down the list. But what I want to see, man, that he is with us, that he is for us, and he is in us in Jesus' name. And if we can get a hold of that, man, there's rewards that come, not for our benefit, but for the benefit of those around us. Amen? Amen. And I just know this, and, and um, if I could just get honest with you for a second, right? Like, I know for me personally, when I'm not living with, with the fact that he's with me, for me, and in me, in the forefront of my mind, that's when uh, things like fear, worry, anxiety, depression, um, all that kind of really comes in, right? And, and I know when that's not the forefront of my mind, guess what? My discernment, uh, you know, basically is weakened. My faith is, is unfocused. I know that I get easily offended. I know that I start getting pulled into uh, the things of this world, right? My flesh starts desiring those things. I get angry. Like, like, I don't, like, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. Like, when I don't keep those things in the forefront of my mind, listen, the reality is, is we're either moving forward or moving backwards. There's not really a lot of staying still, okay? And, and so I need to keep those things in the forefront of my mind. And I don't know about you, but I think you probably do too. Because I think I'm not the only one that experiences those things. Amen? Amen. Can we stand to our feet? We're going to pray. I appreciate y'all listening. But you know what I appreciate more? Is if we actually walk away and do something with this. Amen? I realized this week that pastoring's a lot like parenting. That you just keep repeating yourself and nobody does what you say. And I keep telling myself things would go better. People just do what I say. <laughs> Sounds selfish. Anyways, but um, there's truth in that, right? Because it's not what I say. It's really what Jesus is saying. Yeah? Amen. So, so let, let's, let's be good kids and let's obey. Amen. Jesus, I thank you so much for every person in this room. Lord, I thank you that... Just not only for them being here today, but I thank you for hearts that are open and hearts that are willing to receive. Father, even things that, that seem simple, uh, Lord, I'm just asking today, God, that by your spirit, God, and by the anointing, that you would cause these things to come alive in us. Lord, I'm asking, God, that you would literally go upon every single person. God, and you just simply remind them in a way that only you can that you're with them, that you're for them, and that you're in them in a really personal way. God, like, will you remind them of how you've been interacting with them, God, from the first day that they said yes to you till now. God, of how you've been moving in their lives and how you've been speaking and, and, and even operating behind the scenes in their life for their good, for their good. And so, Lord, thank you for opening our eyes to that. Thank you for opening up our heart to that. Now, Lord, I'm asking God today that, that there would be uh, just a, like almost like a stake in the ground that we would go, yes, like today we grabbed a hold of that. We grabbed a hold of that. And not just to go, yay, look what I learned, but God, so that we could run with it and so we could do what you've called us to do. 
Father, you've called us to greatness. God, you've called us to greatness, maybe not in in man's eyes, but in the kingdom's eyes. God, you've called us to do things that nobody else can do. And the reality is, Lord, unless we begin to see our relationship with you, like what we've been talking about for the past few minutes, Lord, we're not ever going to be able to do that. And so, Lord, would you connect the dots for us and would you help us to engage with you and not and not sleepwalk through life uh, and not go on autopilot, but literally to grab a hold and be aware, to be, to be intent, to be fully engaged with you so that we can do what you've called us to do. And Lord, I'm asking, lastly, God, if there's anybody in this room that's like, man, I don't even have a clue about this God that that guy's been talking about. Jesus, would you make yourself real to them? Would you make yourself known? Lord, would you remove doubt and, and unbelief? And Lord, would you cause faith to land in their hearts? And Jesus, would you give them courage to simply say, man, I, I need Jesus. I need you, God. I may not know everything about you, but I need you. And so, Lord, would you move and do only what you can do? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.